very familiar portion of scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want to preach to you about unrecognized blessings or God's hidden gifts. Unrecognized blessings or God's hidden gifts. Let us pray. Reverend Two weeks, sir, would you please pray over our message and messenger? Amen, amen. You may be seated. Because I've taught a little lengthy earlier, I won't be long in this section of the service today. So rejoice, it won't be long, and you'll be chowing down at lunch somewhere. Amen? There was a man who, uh, years ago, when they would publish books, they would put them through the binder, and sometimes even after they enclosed them, the corners of the pages would not be cut. And so part of what you got to do, this is way back when, as you opened the book, you would cut a page and then you would flip it open. Cut a page and flip it open. And this one particular teenager was keen as he got ready to uh, become a driver he kept on bugging his father for a car. I think he was graduating high school maybe. He kept on bugging his father for a car. And the father had given him some, uh, intimated that he may just get that. So the, uh, the graduation came. And when the graduation came, the father gave him a gift. And it was a book. And the boy kind of looking around, you know, is there another one, Dad? Uh, you're going to, is there some keys somewhere? What's going on? I'm, and, uh, and the father said, this is a very important book. I want you to read it. And uh, the boy got upset. He went up into his room, threw the book in the bookshelf. He said, I can't believe it. He told me, he gave me that impression he was going to buy me a car. But he didn't want to be completely ungrateful. He had a good father. And so a week or so passed, and he kind of hinted around again, hey, Dad, didn't we talk about a car? And dad said, hey, uh, have you read that book yet? No, I haven't read it yet. I'll get to it. He said, okay. Another week passed. Same thing. Sun's coming up again. You know, kids are relentless. Amen? When you want something bad enough. Hey, dad, what about that, uh, that vehicle? And the father said, have you read that book? No, I haven't. And this kept on going. And eventually, after the third or fourth time, the boy was so frustrated, he sat down in his room and said, I can't believe the old man won't just break down and get me the, the stinking vehicle. He's got plenty of money. And he looked over at that book. He said, well, let me, let me, let me see what this book's about. And he opened it up and he, he started to cut the pages. And when he read a page, it was an interesting book, he cut another page and he kept on going. And then he got to about the center, and these checks fell out. It was a check for a vehicle that was already, uh, already there at the dealership. It was a check for the insurance and for gas. And the boy was astonished. And he went down to his father and said, Dad, I didn't know. I'm so sorry. I had a bad attitude. He said, it was there the whole time. I just wanted you to read the book. I think sometimes God gives us blessings, and we don't recognize them as they are. 
And because we resent them and because we, we look at it through a, a, a wrong filter, we don't treasure what he's given us. And sometimes it's not till far after when we look back and say, oh my goodness, God had given me these things and they were the best gifts I ever had. I live a kind of simple life, but there are certain things in my life I really treasure. So you kind of smile at me. I mean, besides, of course, my God, my relationship with God, my church. I'm talking about material things, my wife and whatnot. But I have a set of house shoes. I really like those house shoes. Keep my feet warm in the winter. Keep me from stepping on stuff. Man, I like those house shoes. They must not have been but 20 bucks, if that. A gift from my wife or my son, I can't recall now. But they're one of the things I really treasure in life. Thank God for house shoes. Silly. But they're a simple thing. Right next to my computer, I've got this long uh, piece of wood. What is it? It's a back scratcher. I don't want to give you too much information, but I, I got a gorilla back. <laughs> and every now and then, be sitting in that chair studying, and I'll reach over there and said, yeah, baby. <laughs> and when I can't find that thing, it's just not, it's not good. It's simple. It doesn't cost a whole lot. Again, a gift from my wife or my son. I don't remember them. But it's such a, a simple thing, but something that you use and that you have all the time. An unrecognized blessing. And then later on you say, man, this is one of the greatest gifts. I might have gotten this or that for my birthday, but this is something I use all the time. God gives us gifts that sometimes we don't understand how much of a blessing they are. You ready? Struggle. Struggle. Preach, I came to church because I'm tired of the struggle. I came to church because I'm, I'm done with the enemies and the haters and the opposition. And now you're telling me that that's a gift? Yes. Because it makes you push and it makes you pray and it makes you become better and it makes you overcome. If you didn't have a struggle, if you didn't have a battle, if you didn't have a purpose in life, you would just fall apart. But the fact that we have gravity holding us down and the fact that you have a reason to get up in the morning to go to work so you can feed your family and pay those bills. You might not like the job. You might not like the difficulty. You might not like the boss. You might not like the situation, but you realize I've got to do it because someone's counting on me. And all through that time, that battle, that opposition, that struggle makes you a better man, makes you a better family because you're buckling, you're, you're standing up underneath the pressure and you're doing what God has called you to do. The struggles, the opposition. I wish you would have been here Thursday night preaching about Hannah and Peninnah, go back and watch the sermon because those things are necessary. God gives us the gift of opposition. If you're trying to get away from your haters, good luck. They'll find you. <laughs> You've got a spiritual air tag on you, amen. <laughs> It doesn't matter where you go, where you end up. It just seems like here they are again. Do your best and they'll find fault with you. You didn't do it good enough. You didn't clean it good enough. You didn't cook it good enough. You didn't do this enough. You didn't do that enough. 
You just got to be psychological, psychologically strong enough just to laugh it off. <laughs> Go forward and say, I'll allow those challenges to make me better, but I'm not going to allow it to make me bitter. Amen? God gives us the gift of struggle and opposition, and then he gives us, hold on now, the gift of pain. Ugh. You know what makes me appreciate health? When I'm sick. Have you ever gotten food poisoning? Ooh, man, that's, that's the worst. Got it to where I, was, I can still see myself up in the duplex that we lived in, on the floor, all fours, thinking, man, I, I think I'm going to die. If I did die, I'd be better off than what I'm feeling right now. Amen? Will this ever end? And you're retching and your whole body's sore from throwing up. And, I mean, it's a horrible sound and a horrible smell and you're feeling bad. And, and your family's upset because you're, you're feeling bad and it's the whole atmosphere is bad. But, oh, when you get out of it and you're finally able to eat something, you say, I am so glad to enjoy health. Amen. I'm so glad I can eat this. This is the best peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This is the best ramen I ever had in my life. I've never had a hot dog that tastes so good. Did I say it wrong again? <laughs> they tease me about hot dog too. Anyhow, because that pain, when it comes, it makes you appreciate when you don't have pain. We were talking recently about, first there was a lady who was a, a, a coupon queen. And she went to the store and she would buy 500 bucks worth of stuff and, you know, pay $12 or something. And she actually went on TV and they were showing her, they were highlighting her. And, and the interviewer was asking, what do you say to the people that say all of that effort to save that money is just too much effort? She said, they haven't been broke enough. <laughs> they haven't been broke enough. Because when you're so broke and you don't have anything, you're willing to do whatever it takes so that you can provide. What about the person that has a toothache but didn't make the appointment? It doesn't hurt enough yet, amen? What about the person that's in a relationship and, and it's a, it's a, it's, it needs help? You're not hurting enough in the relationship to go ahead and get the help. And something will happen. God will allow the pain to increase, amen? To where it will push us to go get the help we need. God will allow the, the relationship uh, to continue to escalate until we go to get the help we need. God will allow the situation, whatever it is, it is a gift of pain. Because it's not until we are so uncomfortable that we push out of our little zone and begin to grow. You've heard the story, I'm sure. But when, when the caterpillar weaves that little cocoon and begins to metamorphosize into a butterfly. After the change is made on the inside, it's got to begin to break out of the cocoon. One time a man saw the cocoon, he thought he would help the caterpillar. He pulled out his penknife and he cut the cocoon off. And he watched, but the caterpillar only died. And later on he found out why. It was that struggle. That pain that it had to go through, I was, it was breaking forth, that would push the blood to its wings and make it strong. And so breaking out of the cocoon was one of the things that was necessary for it to survive. 
So God allows such circumstances and situations to come our way and pain because it makes us pray. I was thinking about this morning, man, some folks, they need to pray. They need to break down and cry out to God. And sometimes the only thing that will make us pray, when you've been there and you've taken what the doctor said to take and you've done what they said to do and everything else, but you're still in pain and you say, God, I just need you to help me. And God's saying, finally, you're beginning to look up to me. They are unrecognized blessings, the gift of pain, the gift of struggle, the gift of correction. Proverbs 27 and 6, it says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You know, sometimes you do need to feel bad about what you did. Sometimes you don't need your mom to come by and say, it's all right. It's not all right. I'm thinking about a situation and, and a, a family member had done some, not my family, but somebody had come and, and in their family, a family member had done wrong. And every time they got in trouble, the police wouldn't do anything about it. And that person continued until they got involved in a shooting. And the family member was like, I wish the police would do something about it. Because if they would do something about it, maybe it would have stopped the progress and they wouldn't end up the way they're at. Sometimes allowing somebody to get away with something is not loving them, is not helping them. You still with me? And so when somebody holds you accountable and says, hey, why don't you go soul winning? Or why don't you get out of that shack up relationship and get married? Or why don't you do right financially? Or why don't you do right by attending church? Why don't you do right by getting rid of the pornography? Whatever it is that you're dealing with, why don't you do right by actually dressing right? You still here? Everybody hates, I won't say everybody, I would say, I would say uh, uh, there are a lot of people that are disgusted by men dressing up like women, transgender and all of that and, and same-sex marriage and so on and so forth and they just shake their head. But really they were the ones that, that planted the seeds by cross, crossing over and not doing what God said when he had set, he was the one that set the standards to begin with. He said, it was an abomination for a man to wear that which pertains unto a woman. For a woman to wear that which pertains unto a man. He said, it's not right for a man to look like a woman. You shouldn't grow your hair out and have long uh, dreadlocks or long ponytails. That's not cool. That's rebellion against God if you're a man. Are you still with me? Maybe you don't know the scripture and you're looking at me like, wow, that's strange. That's the second part. Why don't you know the scripture? And I'm not blaming you. Maybe nobody taught you. I'm teaching you. But a lot of the churches won't teach it anymore. He said, long hair was a glory to a woman. For a man to have long hair was a shame unto him. Still with me? That's just the Bible. Now, if you want me to teach uh, myths and fables, we can, but that won't help you. But I can give you the word of God and you'll say, all right, pastor, hit me with your best shot. It's in the scripture, I'll do it. And I'll show you the Bible. Do it, you can't go wrong. I'm almost done, I told you, I'm, I'm going to quickly go. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Correction is a blessing to us. It's a gift that God gives to show us we need to change. Finally, God gives us the gift of his son and eternal life. In Romans chapter 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ 
our Lord. How did Jesus give us life? Because the sin that we had committed had to bring death. The soul that sins shall surely die. You got to understand. You could say, preacher, you're kind of you're kind of out there. You're kind of uh, extreme, so on and so forth. The soul that sins shall surely die. That's what the scripture says. And so today you can say, I'm going to brush this off. I'm going to pitch it back to somebody else. But the soul that sins shall surely die. That's still going to apply. And so if that be the case, then why did Jesus have to come? Because we had all sinned. And so Jesus came down, and if you could put your phones away, unless you're taking notes, I understand if you're doing that, but if you're just on your phone, on Facebook, whatever else, it can wait. Amen? It can wait. How do you know? I see the reflection in your glasses. Look out there and you see the... These are preacher secrets. We're letting you in behind the scenes. Amen? Your bald head is so... Gift of God is eternal life. So Jesus came down when all had sinned. He said, I will pay the price for them. I will die and go to hell for them. I will make it so that they can come to the Father. How do I do that? By admitting, Father, I've sinned. I've come short of the glory of God. I know that I'm going to die and go to hell unless I repent of my sin. I turn from it, which means you pour out the alcohol. You don't just say, forgive me and go back to drinking it. Throw away the dope, amen? Doesn't matter if it's legal. It's not legal in God's eyes. I got three all rights out of... So preacher, you don't know what I got in my purse. It's not really funny. It's really sad. Drunkenness, drug use, prostitution, pornography. Our country has just opened up the cesspool of sin and said, come on in. We wonder why our children, our marriages are broken, our children are messed up. You've got to understand that maybe how you see it on this earth, but it's not how God sees it and it's not the way you get to heaven. Nothing that defiles shall enter in. I'm getting ready. Come on, musicians. How did God make a way? Jesus died for us. And he said, if we would confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Today, would you bow your head and close your eyes? Jesus walked around among the disciples. The Bible said he came unto his own. His own received him not. He was there in the midst, ready to forgive, ready to heal. We'll figure it out in a second. He was ready to heal, ready to forgive. They didn't even know who he was. I think sometimes people come to church, God's ready to forgive you. He's ready to wash you. He's ready to cleanse you. You've got to say, God, take me back. Take me back to where it all began. 
Let me start over again. My heart's not the way it should be. My heart's not the way it should be. I want it to be made right today. Reverend Tuig's going to come and lead us in the altar call.